for all your medical care and needs. Ask our doctors. Well, let me invite onto the show Dr. Jose Litlape, who is the president of the African Harm Reduction Alliance. He's uh, our guest for our health feature this morning. Uh, Dr. Litlape, firstly, let me say thank you for your patience uh, in as far as us getting to this conversation. And I really appreciate your making time to speak to us this morning. Good morning. Uh, good morning to you, Kathy, and good morning to the listeners. And uh, thank you for the invitation. Let's talk about the latest initiative that you have been working on, and it's really around um, tobacco harm reduction policies. When we're talking about tobacco harm reduction, um, what is that? Explain that as as a concept uh, for myself and, and our listeners this morning. I, I think it might be safe just to talk about, to start with harm reduction in general. Okay rather than make it specific uh, to tobacco. And and the first thing, Kathy, is just to say that harm reduction is something that is embedded in what we do in our everyday lives. For example, uh, driving is dangerous. We know that cars kill a lot of people, but we've not forbidden the use of cars. And what has happened in the car industry is how do we make the cars safer? introduction of the seat belt, introduction of the three-point seat belt, a courtesy of the Swedes that made it available uh, to all car manufacturers, improving the brakes in a car, ABS. All those things are things to reduce the harm associated with the use of cars. Braking lights at the back so that other motorists can see what you're doing. You know, uh, pedestrians, Crossing a street at a pedestrian crossing that is properly marked where traffic is regulated. Crossing only when the light is green. As I've experienced people do in civilized countries like Poland. I've just come from also. In South Africa, we disregard those issues. That is what harm reduction is about. When you are involved in a relationship that is violent for GBV, when you take strategies that when your partner comes home drunk, you go sleep at your own home place until they sober up, that's a harm reduction strategy. When we provide drug addicts with clean needles because they were spreading HIV amongst themselves, that's a harm reduction strategy. When you have people addicted to heroin, that you give methadone, that you put into treatment centers and you give them their relief on something that is less harmful, monitored, that is harm reduction. When you advise people that you are diabetic and sugar is your problem, reduce sugar in your drinks, uh, drink Diet Coke, drink water, avoid, reduce the number of teaspoons that you put into your sugar. That is a harm reduction strategy. Nobody says sugar can kill you, so quit sugar. So when it comes to tobacco, we've known since 1960, 1962, when the Surgeon General and Public Health England made the announcement that tobacco smoke will kill one in two of its users. It causes cancer. It is harmful to society. It causes the most preventable harm to society. Now, until around 2013, really, uh, uh, 2003, we didn't really have uh, commercial less harmful products 
alternatives to the combustible cigarette. And we've known that, you know, the FCT says, FCTC, Framework Convention for Tobacco Control, has been a great harm reduction tool. When you look at it, uh, its provisions accept that you can't make tobacco disappear. But what can we do to reduce the harm associated with combustible tobacco? So, but the difference is that all other aspects, you know, use of condoms uh, in the population to reduce harm, to, to reduce transmission of infection, to reduce uh, sexually transmitted diseases, including HIV. Those are harm reduction strategies. And remember, Kathy, when it all started, when some of us were active, activists in HIV, uh, it was said that you can't give kids condoms. You're encouraging them to have sex. And sanity has prevailed. We provide sex education. We provide safe sexual practices. We provide education to let young men and women respect themselves and understand that the choices that they make have serious implications for their own lives. We promote issues of sticking to one partner. We promote that if you're going to be promiscuous, put it in a sock, you know, safe sexual practices. So there are things that human beings will do where being moralistic will not save society. Teenage pregnancies, family planning, sex education, those are harm reduction strategies. So harm reduction is, is, is something that is prevalent in our own societies. When you choose not to walk at night in an environment where the people are being marked, people are being robbed, people mm. are being raped, people mm. are being killed. You are reducing harm to yourself. Don't so harm reduction yeah. should not be seen as something high-powered that comes from Samsung. It's what we do in all our lives. Dr. Litlape, when we continue with this conversation, I will ask you then to uh, explain to us exactly what it is that you think government can be doing in relation to harm reduction and tobacco, and particularly the issue of uh, combustible cigarettes, as you describe them. For now, though, it's 11.30. Time for the latest news headlines. Get your health questions answered by experts. We're in conversation with Dr. Hosi Litlabe. He's the president of the African Harm Reduction Alliance. And he's really explained, I think, so well what we mean when we talk about harm reduction and what then they're trying to see when it comes to tobacco. So, Dr. Litlabe, you are emphasizing the use of combustible cigarettes in this conversation and actually saying that we need to be looking at alternatives to not uh, alternatives to to this, and 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 I especially like this phrase um, that you have used previously, saying that um, while nicotine uh, is what smokers are addicted to, it is not what kills them, and that perhaps provides a, a pathway to those alternatives. Yes, but but you, you know, Kathy, one of the frightening things about the bill that comes up is that it is clearly articulated up front that this is like a a religious document. And what the bill emphasizes is that the approach that the ministry is following is a quit or die approach. And that is clearly stated in the preamble. And that's what makes it frightening. So basically, you have a bill that rubbishes harm reduction in relation to tobacco. 
You then have a frightening thing where as they proceed forward, they try and equate the framework convention of tobacco control to the constitution of South Africa. And the two could not be further apart. Our constitution is based on engaging with the enemy and finding consensus. It is based on the leadership that Nelson Mandela provided to say, we will talk to the enemy, we matter, and we will find solutions. The FCTC is based on not involving the tobacco industry, not speaking to smokers, not speaking to non-smokers, and creating a club of elites, of governments, some of which are conflicted in relation to tobacco. So, so we have those issues where you can see that this is an issue about belief, about morality, not about science. And for the stated intent upfront in the preamble, they are prepared to lie. And even the WHO is prepared to perpetuate lies. So they come up with a policy and look for the signs to support the policy. They don't look at the science and base policies on science, which is sad, which is regrettable, which needs to be fought head on. What we know, Kathy, is that nicotine is something that is used, just like caffeine. But when you get it through combustion of the tobacco leaf, it's the most effective delivery of nicotine, but it is also the most dangerous way of getting nicotine. When you combust the leaf, you produce more than 7,000 chemicals, some of which are carcinogenic, and that's what's going to kill you. That is why uh, around 2003, from the pharma world, nicotine replacement therapy was developed. So that if you can't quit your cigarettes, Let's give you a nicotine through pharmaceutical-grade nicotine that you can get through lozenges, through patches, and we also give you drugs that can help you with uh, your nicotine consumption. There were no products that were known. But you know, the funny thing is that in Sweden, they've been using oral tobacco for more than 200 years. And in 1967, one scientist took the loose tobacco, put it in a sachet like a tea bag for hygiene purposes and tried it. And the rest is history. In 1973, snus was launched in the Swedish market. In 77, it became a competitor to combustible cigarettes. 50 years later, because the Swedes allowed less risky products, of how you get your nicotine on their market. The Swedes now have the lowest incidence of use of combustible cigarette in Europe. They have the lowest incidence of disease. They have 50 years of, of epidemiology. And guess what? Public health in Sweden was anti-smokeless tobacco in sachets called snus. So they've achieved that despite public health in Sweden. And we are going to stand here and ensure that despite what public health says, despite what the WHO says in terms of its blindness to reduced 
risk products in terms of getting your nicotine. We will ensure that the truth prevails, science prevails, and that there will be engagement on these issues. Mm. And those of us like me and 6.7 billion other citizens of the planet that are passive smokers should be at the table. We have a right to reduce exposure to harm. The quit or die approach is a dying approach. We want an approach we can live with. And and just on that issue then, Dr. Letlape, because it, it seems to me that um, one of the objectives is to try and, and get people, as you're saying, uh, to quit the habit and in many ways then uh, quit the, the addiction. Do you find that that happens when there are alternatives all, all on the market? Or are you saying that it is not the responsibility of the state to be policing that area of people's lives in the first place? Uh, I am saying we need to be pragmatic. You know, uh, Kathy, uh, people sometimes think I say it in jest. We killed by the food we eat, but nobody's going to say stop eating. We look at strategies of how we can eat healthily. When you look at what the WHO says about alcohol, it talks about responsible alcohol use. But when it comes to tobacco, they're just not talking about responsible nicotine use which is what they should be doing. They're talking about tobacco being harmful. So the language is different. There's bias. And there's a, there's a history as to why you have this bias, you know, in terms of the behavior of the industry before. And people now have this hatred for the industry that rationality and truth and science is now being perverted to support that hatred. And I'm not saying it is not justified, but we're not going to be part of that hatred because as it continues, it continues to expose people who use nicotine to the most harmful way of using the nicotine. What you see now is basically the FCTC, which works well for reducing the harm associated with combustible tobacco, which is the framework convention for tobacco control now being used to you to force combustibles to consumers so they perverting what the fct fctc stood for and we see now actions that now force people that can't quit to commit to combustible cigarettes that we know will kill one in two of its users in their lifetime that it's a sad day, Kathy. So, 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 so when, 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 when you read then, when, when you read the policy approach to to this issue, and I mean, I, I imagine that you have probably uh, taken on this matter before. You've made some of um, the the suggestions to um, the relevant not only departments but also uh, submissions to be, be before Parliament when where it, con where it concerns this bill. Why do you think that the approach you're talking about is not being onboarded? Because people who smoke have been dehumanized. They are not being seen as human beings that may have 
a, a preference that is harmful, that should be modified, where they should be assisted to quit if they can. But if they can't quit, they should not be condemned. They should be, we should use signs to make sure that we reduce harm as much as possible. But part of it is that there's this morality, this moral judgment of people who smoke. You know, the text that is collected from cigarettes is called a sin text. People that smoke hide their behavior. They are, because we, we've shamed this behavior. And they, we don't see them. They are not seen. And because they are not seen, they can't be heard. And nobody talks about that. And we saw the parallels with people living with HIV. When they were thrown out by families, they were thrown out by religious institutions. They were abandoned by the state. The state even came up with a policy of them not being treated. We saw the deaths that affected us, that came into our homes. Our hospitals became hospices. We spend mo most time burying people than anything. And that has changed. Now, if you compare that to tobacco, I'll give you a personal issue. My father was a two-pack-a-day smoker. He smoked in the car. He smoked in the house. He, he stocked up on tobacco. He, he did it every which way possible. Cigarettes, pipe, ramen, maple, horseshoe, etc., etc. He went to sleep when he was 65 and never woke up. At that time, he was using smokeless tobacco. I choose not to smoke actively. I have a child that smokes. He's now taken to vaping. Now, he has his own car. And I can use his car because it's not, it hasn't got the stench of smoke. Our home is not anti-people who use nicotine, but it's safer for all of us. Now, right. when you take this bill, Kathy, this bill turns every home into a potential crime scene. So they go beyond just the issue of demonizing alternatives. They are criminalizing the habit of nicotine use. All right. And they are taking our homes into potential crime scenes. And Doc that is mm. unacceptable. Dr. Litlape, we're going to have to leave it there for today. Thank you so much for coming on to the show, Dr. Hosi Litlape, president of the African Harm Reduction Alliance. Certainly a story that we'll continue to look closer at. Thank you so much for joining us on the Wednesday edition of The Talking Point. We're back with you again tomorrow at 9 o'clock. 